0: Welcome to the Molten Golden Teachings with John Records, where heaven, sky, and spirit kiss the earth and support the ground of human experience and awakening.
1: Little self and higher self. The Reverend Cynthia Brugeau said, To arrive at the unified whole, there is only one route to get there, and it has been known to all the spiritual traditions of the world, dying to self. The consciousness that has mystical experiences must finally be let go, as consciousness steps out into that bare, positionless freedom that is unity. There's a lot in what she says there. I think it's necessary and helpful to distinguish between the little self, when it's written that has a lowercase s, and the higher self, written with an uppercase s. The term little self generally refers to the aspect of our being that some call ego, which, among other characteristics, claims things as its own, worries and frets and preens, and gets its feelings hurt. This little self also is, in Bourgeau's terms, the consciousness that has mystical experiences. The higher self is consciousness unencumbered and free, which Bourgeau refers to as the bare, positionless freedom that is unity. The higher self is already looking out through your eyes, already hearing through your ears, and the higher self is already living through your life. The little self can occlude and block the expression and the awareness of the higher self. Bourgeot's dying-to-self language is, in a way, unfortunate. It can lead to even more extreme formulation like, kill the ego. This kind of thinking can be confusing and lead to attitudes in which one descends into self-loathing and frustration as the little self tries to annihilate the little self. That effort can counterproductively and ironically strengthen the little self. With all that as background, Nikki Cuthbertson, a friend with whom I've been playing and working on spiritual development for many years, offered her own response to Reverend Bourgeau's thoughts. Nikki says, I've been entertaining thoughts lately, of whether we need to die into our little self or have mastery of the little self or whether they are the same thing. Mastery of the little self through awareness of the higher self feels more gentle, more like a partnership filled with the acceptance of our full capacity for expression and being. I've been playing a lot with the perspective of horse riding, parenting, breathing, meditating, happening through me. It feels much different than the perspective of I am writing, I am parenting, I am breathing, I am meditating. I think Nikki does a great job of exploring the relationship between little self and higher self. Who, we might ask, is experiencing awareness of higher self? We can just experience the little self. We could just experience awareness of the higher self. And the consciousness that has mystical experiences may become inactive, and then there is just the higher self. When no one is aware of the higher self, then there is just higher self. Rather than trying to destroy the little self, we can let it come and go, which is much less threatening to it. And when we notice the little self behaving in a constricting way, such as, filling our head with annoying mind chatter, or running old, unproductive mental scripts, we can gently shift our awareness to higher self. With time, our baseline consciousness will more and more often be higher self.
0: Welcome to the Molten Golden Teachings with John Records. Hello, John. Hey, Gustavo. How are you today? I'm doing my best, brother. I'm doing pretty good. It's good to have you back in the studio. This most recent teaching of yours, you've entitled it Little Self and Higher Self. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I found this particularly full of remembrances of my own practices and sort of ponderings or, or awareness of. Of small self or little self and higher self. Before I ask a bunch of questions, is there there anything you'd like to start with or talk about in relationship
1: to that reading? Well, it could be helpful to the listener to reflect a moment on who is listening. What parts of your being are engaged as you listen? And in light of what has already been shared today, is your little self in the process? Is your higher self in the process?
0: There's so many different terms that that we come up with, and I think it's such an important distinction for a practitioner or a person to make that there's that there's this two different in a way things going on inside our inside our lives. And Zen they they say small mind and big mind, true self, false self. So we're saying little self and higher self. When I first started practicing Zen, I just started contemplating what's going on inside my head that's stopping me from, I was in a monastery uh, and I was, knew I was supposed to be there just to do what they said and to practice. And my job was just to sweep the floor and I would be not able to just sweep the floor. I'd have to think or ponder, or, you know, my attention kept going away. And I just kept saying, what, what is going on here? How can I not just sweep the floor? I'm aware that I will be more at ease if I, if I do that. And so I started, you know, just basically watching myself. And I started to see, as I think often, what happens in meditation practice for, for people, is they start to see that there's this almost secondary life form inside their minds. And we call it a lot of different things, monkey mind, mind chatter, but you're calling it little self and higher self and trying to make this distinction between, is it okay to function with it? Is there a balanced way to be with it? Or is it supposed to just die? And you made a point earlier in that teaching where we may want to have a more gentle expression of how to to deal with it because I was in a meditation retreat and I told her I was starting to get really anxious and this particular teacher was pretty I would say not super balanced with her own practice and she looked at me and she had this gleam in her eyes and she said that's your ego sensing its annihilation and I got to thinking I'm not sure that's the best way to look at this. And as I've gone through paying attention to smaller mind, little mind, and higher self, my teachings or awareness has been, our first step is to realize there's this sort of duality going on inside of us. That there's this smaller self. The second is to work and teach and parent and discipline that self. And then third, to love that self to give it care and support. Often like a toddler. I feel like when humans become toddlers, it's a great image or a great showing of what little mind is like. It can be joyous and experience all these things, but it's very persistent and intense and wanting what it wants. So this notion of being gentle with it and disciplining it and challenging it at times because it seems like for most of us it's pretty undisciplined and it's it's causing a lot of people a lot of unrest including myself so this notion of not treating it as the enemy and you, you mentioned it's the thing it's the part of us that has mystical experiences i would like to ask you what you mean by It's the part of us that has mystical experiences. And also ask, you know, is it a part of us that loves grapes and hates oranges or found, you know, that particular movie to be life-altering and something else to be something you don't care about or hate? Is it also sort of part of the way we celebrate our personal lives, This smaller self?
1: Dear Gustavo, you've said a couple of mouthfuls there. I'll start by referring back briefly to a prior podcast we did on the wave in the ocean. The little self is, roughly correlates with the wave. The higher self roughly correlates with the ocean. These are all ways of talking about aspects of being and life. What we're calling now the little self we could say, has a function, it has a place in human life. I would no more try to kill what we're calling a little self than I would want to cut off my hand. It has a place. And if we look at the wave and ocean perspective, the thought of killing the wave is ridiculous. The wave is an aspect of the ocean. The challenge, I think, is the limitation and constriction that comes from being caught in the little self and or thinking of ourselves as being just the wave. I think there's a tendency in spiritual practice to value the perspective of the higher self and that of the ocean over that of the smaller self, the little self, the wave, if you will. I think one reason for that is that often we have to really invest time and energy and attention in escaping the constriction of the small perspective. And because the freedom of the naked consciousness, the perspective of the unencumbered higher self, is so precious and unusual in human experience. It was Reverend Reverend Bergeau, not I, who talked about the consciousness that has the mystical experiences must finally be let go. The point she's making, and that I agree with, is that when the consciousness that has mystical experiences, which is the same consciousness that loves grapes and hates bananas, for example, when that is active, then one is in relationship to the rest of reality. The wave is in relationship to the ocean. The... Lower self, the little self, is in relationship to the higher self. So if we can let that perspective slip away gently, in my mind, then we can enjoy what Reverend Brugeot calls the bare positionless freedom that is unity, consciousness that's unencumbered and free. I think we can get caught, trapped in a perspective that is one or the other. We can certainly be caught in the lower self, we could also be caught in the higher self. In a big way, there's nothing but the higher self, there's nothing but the ocean, and it's the ocean that experiences loving grapes and hating bananas and all those other aspects of human life. Yet the personalized, and I'll emphasize personalized versus impersonal, personal versus bare, positionless freedom, that personalized perspective is the essence of our individualized human life. I don't think it's a good idea to transcend and escape our human life. I think it is a good idea to not be caught and trapped in a limited, constricted perspective. I think the opportunity is both and. To be a human being who loves grapes, who cherishes another human being, who may suffer greatly, that's all valuable. And that, I think in a lovely and paradoxical way, informs the higher perspective, what we're calling the higher self, what we've called the ocean. So I insist that our human lives and our human perspective, our little self, I insist that that's important. It's precious. And I don't want to be stuck there. I think it's very helpful to our human perspective to also have the perspective of unity, freedom, not being stuck anyplace. Going back to your example of sweeping the floor in the monastery, and that could also be doing dishes in our home, a benefit of having awareness there is to be informed about how often we get caught in the little whirlpool of our individualized thoughts and our apparent inability to open ourselves to the vastness of who we really are. In a way, if we are free, then it's the universe itself that is sweeping the floor washing the dishes. And I think there's a nice balance where the universe can be doing that. Consciousness is doing that. And the human being is there also. Not stuck, but as the Buddha says, when you walk, walk. When you sit, sit. Don't wobble. To be fully present with what we as human beings are doing at any given time, aware of our unbounded intrinsic nature, and also fully engaged in washing the dishes, sweeping the floor, making love, having a walk, and also our suffering. Gustavo, is that responsive to what you said?
0: Yes, it is. That's a great response. Um. Do you think it may be, do you think it might be accurate to say, just as a bit of a generalization to help myself and others articulate in our own, you know, minds the differences between the two is that the the higher self, this consciousness, one of its strong core aspects of it is a lack of of preference, so the smaller self might say, I really, really, really don't like sweeping, or might even be, I hate sweeping, and I love washing dishes, so the smaller self gets to enjoy washing dishes and be really very unpleasantly Engaged when sweeping the floor. And one of the maybe core aspects of higher self is you're just sweeping the floor and you're just washing the dishes and it has a quality of what might be called peacefulness or ease to it, space to it. Whereas smaller self might really want to wash the dishes and really not want to sweep the floor. But if we can bring balance to those two supposedly different parts of ourselves. We could live a enjoyable, more open, celebratory experience of suffering and grace or joy, you know, to, so you could really enjoy the dishes and, and really not, but not be too attached to it and and sweep the floor, not be super thrilled with it, but not be wishing you could be doing something else. Is that... Is that a possibility of something that points towards the
1: integration of of the higher self and the smaller self? It's an interesting question. I agree that the higher self doesn't have preferences, except perhaps for its freedom from preferences, just to be open and spacious. I would encourage the listener to pause for a moment now and feel Perceive, experience the part of herself or himself that is unencumbered, forever free, unborn and undying. This experience of our self Of consciousness, of the ocean, can indeed inform our human experience and our human preferences. When we talk about dealing with preferences and aversions, we can look at that a couple of ways. At one level, if we are to a degree incapacitated by our aversions and preferences, then, as a human being, we're less free than we could be. So suppose that we really hate changing diapers, can't stand it. And if we have a baby, it's good for all concerned to learn to do the diapers. Sometimes we just have to find a way to do things that we don't like. Our personality could be looked at sometimes as kind of a patchwork of attachment and aversion. So from a human perspective, it could be desirable to unravel that a bit so we're not caught and limited in our attachment and aversion. However, sometimes I feel that there's a mindset in spiritual teaching that seeks to perfect the human personality by offering a set of rules and practices that are intended to peck away at our attachments and aversions. I think the goal there may be to ease the smaller self out of the way to make room for the expression and consciousness of the higher self. Yet the effort to perfect the human personality might be likened to trying to polish a brick to make it into a mirror. The human personality is not going to be perfected. Our nature, which includes our physical being, is one of some constriction. We are built to have some preferences and aversions. They have served us well in an evolutionary sense. So, in summary, I think it is good to work with our human personality to remove those restrictions both attachments and aversions, that unnecessarily limit us. We should know, however, that we're not going to perfect that and that that might not necessarily open the door to our bare, positionless freedom that is unity, to again borrow the words of Reverend Burgeau. We could, in fact, spend a lifetime trying to perfect our human personality, and as a, as a way to kind of strive or struggle to kill the ego, or to gain what we're what we're seeking, which is a relationship with consciousness, mystical experiences. I think we can be more effective and have an easier path by learning to let go of the consciousness that has the experiences and to open to that freedom, that spaciousness, that openness that is already there as the core and baseline of our being. The ocean's already there. We don't have to perfect the wave. It's helpful just to realize the ocean that we are.
0: This has been a Molten Golden Mountain Teachings with John Records. John can be reached at MoltenGoldenMountain.com. Produced, recorded, and interviewed by Gustavo Brett at Transform Studios.